Welcome, America. You are watching Old School. Ben Mankiewicz, J.R. Jackson, Mark Thompson, Jank, not on assignment, according to producer uh, Asher. He's taking care of some business stuff, I think. <laughs> well, uh, he's roasting good luck. I would have right liked, now, Ben. I would have liked uh, the ABC World News tonight to start that way when Frank Reynolds wasn't there. You know? Welcome to the ABC World News tonight. I'm Max Robinson. Uh, Frank Reynolds can't be with us tonight. Out taking care of some business. Mentioned tough to work five days a week and get to the dentist. Don't know exactly what it is. Our top story tonight. <laughs> How do you get to the bank when you're working five days a week from 8.30 until 6? By the way, uh, by the way, Frank Reynolds, I think uh, that's like a super old school reference. I believe he was the first World News Tonight anchor. I think when that's right. Before that, before that, it was just the ABC Evening News or yeah. whatever. It was you know, Huntley Brinkley. Oh, they were NBC, right? That's right. They brought oh out this thing called World News Tonight like it was... They brought out like it was like this great idea, and it was essentially just Frank Reynolds, who was the new anchorman, doing the news. I mean, it was the same as the news on the other station. Wasn't yeah, it? but it was a good. I think it was a good name. Well, they did two things. I don't know if they did it right at the beginning of World News tonight, but it does suggest something grander, right, than right. the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite. And you you got a desperate. I mean, you know, the ABC Evening News with Frank Reynolds is not going to beat the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite ever, yeah. right? Uh, so at the beginning of, I don't know if it was at the beginning of World's Night, but it probably was. They had three anchors, and they had Frank Reynolds in Washington, I believe, uh, right. and maybe New York, and Max Reynolds in, I think, Chicago. Max, Max Robinson. Robinson, yeah, Max, Max Robinson, Robinson in Chicago, and Peter Jennings in London. Oh yeah, I think that's right. Very <laughs> good, Ben. Very good. So there was a little, uh, there was a. It world was more news. than rebranding. You're saying it was a yeah. we were doing something. They were actually, they had an anchor in the world, <laughs> out in the world. And then they had that Chicago thing coming from uh, from uh, former, uh, former uh, uh, what was the original call letters? Why can't uh, WTOP uh, anchor Max Robinson, right, in D.C.? But ultimately, it turned into one anchor, didn't it, Ben? Ultimately, it turned into uh, the one anchor, Frank Reynolds, then replaced by, uh, replaced by Peter Jennings. Uh, Max Robinson. He was replaced by who, Jr. He was replaced by Peter Jennings, is what I just, is what I believe After is Jennings, the actual correct. But Jennings then oh. had to give it up, and who replaced him? That's who tonight's old school Peter. question. Oh man, I can't. I got the older stuff down. I cannot, for the life of me, now recall who. But oh, oh, Charlie Gibson, and it was supposed to be temporary, but it lasted like three or four years. Very good grab, and now for the wow. big money. When Charlie Gibson was done, who replaced him? Charlie Gibson left. It was with some fanfare. It had been this temporary thing. And then it was uh, the young guy who didn't work out. Is that right? <laughs> That's a great bluff. <laughs> <laughs> who, the young who guy didn't work out. Yeah. No, it was actually a woman. Oh, it was Diane Sawyer, of course. Exactly. Diane of course, Sawyer. Diane Sawyer, right, right, right. The opposite so, of the young guy who didn't work out. Yeah, yeah, so what is it that someone can do on something like World News Tonight when, as you guys already pointed out, the origins of it was there's this guy who read the news like other <clears throat> uh, networks, 
but it was World News Tonight and they had Peter off in Paris or whatever you guys said. So what? how do you not work out doing that? I get how you don't work out doing Meet the Press like we've seen happen because maybe you're not as engaging when you're discussing things with political figures. But on World News Tonight, you're reading and going off of prompters, going with production. Um, what is it you can do to screw that up if you've already got the position? Uh, well, I don't think anybody ever screwed it up. I think they yeah. uh, uh, they literally just, for example, Jennings got cancer. You know, so he had to step down. Yeah. Diane Sawyer did it forever. She just kind of, you know, moved on. She yeah, was she did it for ten or twelve years yeah. or whatever that was, and then retired. Um, I think same but, thing with Gibson. He was on Good Morning America, and then they moved him to. Then he did World News, and they kind of just. I, I, I think he did both for a while. Like he was literally doing from you know seven to nine a.m. and then probably going home and changing his suit and then coming back to do the news at 6.30. I'm gonna guess he wasn't super involved in the planning of the news <laughs> having arrived at work at 4.30 in the morning for Good Morning America. But he was he was doing yeoman's work there. I uh, saw him I'm, at a memorial service of all things, but I was talking to him for a while. And one of the things I asked him was, do you get used to that schedule that Ben's talking about? You know, where you gotta get to the office at 4.30 in the morning when you're hosting Good Morning America. And he said, you know what, you don't, it's no. awful. And it's as awful tomorrow morning as it was <laughs> the first morning that I had to get up, yeah. No, yeah, okay, I mean, so the, the, number, the number you have to hit to, to make that attractive is is is, is high, right? right. Yeah, Sorry, ben, you, you know the hours, no, it's fine. I, you guys, that was actually more of the point is, you guys remember the current day, not current, before that, Air America days, where we had to, like, my my wake up time was midnight to come into right. work because we had a 9 a.m. show or 8 a.m., one of the two. So you have to still no, do all eight, this. Eight, it was 8 a.m. Eastern. Yeah. Five, <laughs> right. 7 a.m. out here. Oh my God. So that was what, 2007? We'll roughly say six. I don't um, know. Yeah, that sounds So around right. the mid 2000s, point is it was. 15 minimum years ago and around. Um, ever since we had that schedule that was regular for me, that was my natural wake up time. Once I have a schedule in my body, it doesn't change. I rarely use alarm clocks. When I need to wake up at six, if I go to sleep and my brain says wake up at six, I will wake up at 555. It's really weird. Anyways, since then and since we don't have to do it anymore, I still wake up as if I could go to that every night. Every you wake night. up at you wake up at midnight every night. I, w- I wake if well now lately I've been going to sleep later because of uh, because of uh, or how much we're sitting right. in the house not doing anything else. But even before that, like I still wake up in the middle of the night. But if I go to bed at normal time, I will wake up at like 1 a.m. It's close to that time, and I have no idea why. I'm like, wow. okay, I gotta get back to sleep. It's it's screwed me up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I I've had to do it a couple times, and it was that was one of them, and it was. Uh, it was miserable, and I got to be honest with you, Air America didn't hit the number. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking now the number's got to be. I mean, obviously it's for all the. I mean, it would be for all these people, but you know, at a younger age, you balance is this opportunity worth it for whatever they're offering. But now, and I'm not suggesting anyone would hire me for this, of course not. But I mean, it would take you know, I mean, it would take a seven-figure number. Which was, you know, they paid you a million dollars a year. You'd be the most underpaid morning host in the business still. Right. Um, but I think, I think the number they had to hit for Air America is, I think Jake and I split like thirty-four thousand. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and because Jank did it every day, and I had to leave once a month to go to Turner, we split it like, you know, eighteen, sixteen, or nineteen, fifteen. <laughs> it was something wow. insane. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh. Yeah, that's what's it. Every day I think, well, I'm getting up here, but I am making $133. So, you know what? <laughs> well, the it's other thing it. is you feel like, you know, and that we need to have a progressive voice on the radio and we're going to build this network and we're going to, you know, you feel like you're part of an effort, you know, but that's right. Ultimately, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was uh, it was just a super, uh, super rough go. But uh, Charlie Gibson to continue talking about that for a while, because I love this stuff. Uh, Charlie Gibson, no one said anything ever except great stuff about, I think. That's my recollection to everybody. Everybody at ABC liked Charlie Gibson. That was not the case uh, with some of the other people <laughs> who have anchored at ABC. As I've heard, I don't, I don't really know. Um, but I use one of those people as an example of like, you know, there are people who, you know, hate me on, on TV, right? Hard stuff, maybe to believe. They're all. Um, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and on the Turks, of course. And what, uh, what is a hate uh, letter to you on TV uh, read like? Well, you know, um, some of it relates to this, you know, uh, pompous, uh, liberal, doesn't know what he's talking about, you know, family, because they're connected to movies, uh, you know, got him the job. Jeff, like the, the Mankiewicz family, screenwriters from the 1950s have so much <laughs> pull. <laughs> and, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Obviously, there's advantages to have my family, but that that was not uh, that was not one of them. Um, you know, and they don't like my style, whatever. You know, too glib, or you know, I look down too much, or you know, I, I mean, so the so I. But you know, if you're Did anybody to- really say you look down too much? I'm just curious. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. But is that, is that your is that your move where you look down? I look down all the time. I just I just did it here without thinking that I was doing it to demonstrate that I look down. <laughs> I look I break eye contact all the time. My brother, Josh Bagans, of course, you both know Mark and friends with my brother for forever. Um, he told me to break eye contact, right? And it, build- it's effective, actually. He does it also. Yeah, and I think it's effective. Yeah, and I do it more than 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 he does. I, I, I literally, I look at this. I cannot stop doing it. Um, it feels weird to me to look directly into a camera for that long, and maybe it's overcame some shyness, right? That I knew, but breaking breaking contact and then reestablishing—that's what it was—is that somehow that will connect to the viewers. And the master of that, our anchor in Charleston, the first place I started Live Five News, Bill Sharp, who's like you know, you know, he's uh, one of those. Legendary local anchors that is Bill Sharp could well be the most famous person in Charleston, right? Powerful number one station anchor for 30 years. And he, uh, and he completely 100% took his on air presence, which then was his off air presence too. But since his on air presence was sort of borrowed from the guy I'm about to mention, it makes me think that his off air presence was borrowed also. But he, uh, from Bill Kurtz. Oh, uh, you sort of, you know, I think Chicago for Bill Curtis. This oh, sort yeah, of big time. Chicago. And he yeah. does that looking down thing you're talking about. All the time, you know, and he very, uh, you, Jerry, you've seen him in movies. Uh-huh. Like uh, he was the voice in Anchorman, right? He's the, the voice of God oh, in Anchorman, the narrator. Yeah, he's got a yeah. very, very, very big you know, voice. Yeah, he's got a very big voice. And he's on, he's still the voice, I think, of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he does. Wait, wait, don't tell me. Yeah, man doesn't Um, stop working. Yeah, he has an incredible voice, and it it is a very commanding voice. If you get it wrong, though, it becomes very cheesy very quickly. And I would be curious whether younger people would find what he did cheesy, whereas Mark and I, who worked in this business, are like really impressed with Bill. No, that 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 goes to what I was thinking because um, 
I remember Charlie Gibson, but I was young. So like the fact that I love doing the show with you two and then when Jake comes in too. Cuz usually when I talk about anything else in life, and we all know how the Young Turks has evolved and the number of employees we now have. And it's inevitable that you'll get younger folks, some new lifeblood, some energy. And anything I say that I reference, I get so some blank stares at times. And I'm like, wait, am I the old guy in the room right now? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm like belly laughing at this reference that I made from 1990, maybe 1996. And they're like, um, and then so, being back here with you guys, I get to go. I get to finally be that. I was 22 when I started with you guys, and I get to go back to the "Who's that?" questions, and it almost feels oh, a little right. bit good. I don't like not knowing things, but I love not knowing things when it's because I'm too young. That's right. Then it's then it's then it's okay. Um, but I get annoyed we, at, the, at the at the younger folks who do that to me. I'm like, can you get out of my face? Like, go TikTok or something, and then I'll feel better about how this is. Has gone down in my life. Yeah, that's the next generation of anchors will be uh, the TikTok, uh, you know, <laughs> be the handheld thing going, hey, good evening, everybody. What up? What up? Hey. <laughs> so, this is happening. Amy Coney Barry, yeah, she's the Supreme Court. It's kind of a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm so, but, but like, so we know young people don't watch the news. The numbers are really low. Don't watch the evening news. So, but there's still a pretty big audience for those three shows combined. Right, there's still. I mean, I don't know. I kept saying 20 million, but that's a five-year-old reference. I don't know if it's still 20 million. I mean, it has to go down, right? I mean, just the way you know the population works. Right, <laughs> it has to go down. And will people who are 30 now, who grew with the first sort of generation of 30-year-olds, who really had no interest in watching that, right? Um, you know what's going to happen when they're 45? Are they going to want a, a, an evening newscast at 6:30, or are they just going to think, "Hey, man, the news is on CNN all the time"? Or you know, assuming that some degree of television sticks around, that they'll that they'll know that they can just get it there, and that they'll get it, or they'll get it off social media, whatever is you know at the absolutely. time, whatever Facebook oh. is then, or you know that's where well, they're we getting know that it the, We know the majority will. Right, but are there's going to be an audience? Are there going to be 15 million people where you can sell advertising to? 18 million people, people who are 28 now in 20 years, who will there be enough eyeballs to have anybody advertise on those shows? Yeah, I hour. think so. Yeah, think I have so? a theory. I have a theory right. because I went and visited my my parents a few times in the past, like you know, month, <clears throat> and I was still, my parents are old. They're part of that the demographic that you're mentioning. That was built for these types of shows. And, you know, I walk in, my mom turns on CNN. I was like, oh, that's normal. And she wants to talk to me about politics and everything since that's what we do every day. And we go through the whole thing. And then eventually the channel flips to then local news. I'm like, man, this is still exists. This is still happening. And it's just on. And as it's on, any information is happening. She's like, oh, did you hear about this? I was like, hell no, mom, I'm not watching KTW TV. I don't know whatever one it is. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I can't remember the one in San Diego. It was like KTTV, I don't know, it's one of those. Um, is so, that the one where the guy looks down all the time? <laughs> <laughs> so, no, but there's, I think we're, you know, we're in LA and I think there's a vibe of this new energy. But I think in other states and in other parts of cities in small cities and states, there's young people who are getting the same approach to news and TV and 
taking it in as older folks. So I've been down Louisiana, I look up, I was like, man, this 30 year old looks like she is 60. Just from the hairstyle and the way that she does things. So I think I think they still will hold on to a significant audience. Of course, not the 20 million line, but I think they'll at least be, it'll be I don't know. useful. I'm glad Jenk is in here because of course, we couldn't even have gotten this part of the conversation. Because as soon as I raised the question, he'd be like, no, nope, nope, dead. <laughs> dead. I don't know if it's three years, I don't know if it's five years, I don't know if it's seven years, but it's dead. Off the air, the networks are going away, it's done. It's done, that's just the way it is, done. Yep, he's been saying that. Let me play the part of Jank, except not quite as uh, dogged about it. But when you say 20 years, that is probably the number where you're going. That's right, that's That's why I asked. If you had said 15 years, I'd go, all right, They'll probably still be on the air. I mean, I think that there'll be the attenuation of audience and everything will kind of continue to, you know, diminish to the point that these newsrooms will be gutted. And in 15 years, I don't know what they'll be like. 20 years, I do think you're going to be looking at sort of like, well, I don't know. I can watch the Turks or I can watch World News Tonight. And I don't know what the hell World News Tonight is. So I'm going to watch the Turks. <laughs> I'm going to watch them for 20 years. Yeah, I mean, like, I think that there's a, you know, the, the obviously the question is whether broadcast television is going to go away in some capacity, right? And I don't think it matters because it's already going away, but those networks have already established some degree of digital presence and they'll continue to because they have so much money and they have a, a brand, right? I mean, they have a marketable brand. I mean, CBS's lineup of shows means something, right? Might not mean something to most young people, but it means it doesn't mean nothing. And I don't see it going away. And so CBS News, ABC News, but they're not going to be necessarily broadcast. I still imagine that people would like to get on a screen uh, a summation of the day's news, right? There's still some attractiveness to that. If we're still going to have families and people gathering together at night, I don't know that everybody's going to be looking at their phones. Right. And again, we always overstate things like, you know, in politics too, we're like, oh, Trump's, you know, that's just Trump's base. They're just going to like that again. Nobody's going anywhere. And of course, that's not really true. I mean, if, he, if the guy's got 55 million people who are addicted to him, you're not talking about pulling, of course, most will. You're talking about, hey, man, if you can pull away a million and a half, that's huge. Right. So we're talking about, you know, and that's why 20 million, which is an incredibly small number. But I imagine if there's still 15, maybe they won't all three do it. One of them will be like, you know, NBC will be like, hey, we're, you know what, we're getting out of this. We're going to have some other kind of show where we think could make a lot more money there. Although yeah, the newsrooms have so been gutted already. What does that look like? Because that's not the question, too, because, you know, as we start getting, I watched too much Black Mirror, so now I'm convinced that that's the future. But um, so, do you, but first off, have you guys watched those, that show? Not yet. I haven't heard about it in a while. Me too. Fascinating. Yeah, it hasn't been around. Yeah, they haven't put new episodes out in a minute. But just the the assumptions about technology in the future, they make some, I think, decent, like, you know, dramatic points about what could happen. And some of that just being the accessibility of watching something without anyone else seeing what you're watching. Like, you know, VR, you put on like a a headset and now everything you're seeing, it's no longer projected on a TV where the whole family's watching. It's just right in your face and you can change it as you want, whatever. So we're already in that era. Um, So I think if it's just gonna be whether or not these newsrooms transition to accommodate that kind of 
technology, just like they were trying to catch on with the social medias. You know, ABC and CBS and NBC and all those weren't jumping straight on it in 2006 and stuff like we were trying to. They were like, oh, internet, TV, everyone's got TV. And now, eventually, they hit the whole thing with having to make sure, oh man, we have to have the app, we have to be on that, we have to promote that. What's the old guy's name? Lester Holt. Lester Holt. It, for some reason, just his voice and his face. After I watch an NBC News clip, and then Lester Holt jumps on and goes, "Hey, everybody out there, I'm Lester Holt. If you click here, you can watch us anytime you want. If you click there, you can subscribe." I was like, "Lester Holt should not be doing this." I agree. Just- that, that, <laughs> I, I love that you said that because it's at the end of it's at the end of every clip, and we do it at the end of the TYT clips. You know, you have to say something. You're supposed to do the thing, but you're right. Like how that's said and who says it is important. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Some 20 year is not gonna go, well, Lester Holt told me I should click here to make sure I watch all their clips. Who the f- is Lester Holt is what the 20 year old will say. And why should I yeah. listen? I think that's right. Hey, I, I, this I, is Lester Holt's 20 year old son. And you should <laughs> click here if you wanna get more videos like this one. <laughs> yeah, I know, but all this news is incredibly depressing to you know, specifically me and Mark, right? Like that there's no, that nobody yeah. cares, nobody wants to hear from guys our age. Um, uh, I tell you though, I'm, you know, as I talk about the brand names, the ABC you know, News, CBS News seems to me to have this most significant brand name, but then I'm probably dating that by my age. But the biggest one, of course, is CNN. And so I imagine CNN keeps playing it out that they're gonna end up being the big winners, right? That at some point, CNN will be if there is one show people are most likely to go to if they put up a show at you know seven o'clock or six thirty that is a daily summation of the day's news that they have the brand that will be most attractive for that to work in the year twenty forty. I don't know if we can continue this. They've been tainted by being too left, and they're the Clinton News Network. I mean, you should hear. I mean. There's a significant chunk of the country that views CNN as being the Fox News channel of the left. They're not. In fact, I can give you a ton of things yeah. that they've done that are loathsome and awful in terms of you know a big fu to the left. But when you're on the right, anything a little bit left seems you know. So anyway, to be continued. Yes, to be continued, and not in this episode of Old School. Uh, the way you can continue uh, watching is all the way through is to become a member at uh, Jr. How do you become a member? Uh, you to to click here, right at the bottom of your screen. Watch the full show, tyt.com slash join. Oh my God. So, uh, thanks for watching. We'll be right back. And we're back. Uh, Mark, JR, and Ben for another episode of Old School. And, uh, so you know it's, but you know again, Mark. So you're right. Mark was talking before in the old show, in the previous show. Mark, do I was my headroom appropriate? Have you guys accounted for the fact that I seem to be cutting off my head? That looks good there, but not the other. One. All right. Fine. Um, so yes, that if you're on the right, you think that the CNN is the Clinton News Network, and because they have taken a rather aggressive stance toward the president. Which every sane person should take. They are now even more so seen as this bastion of, of the left and the and the fake well, news. By, by the way, not to interrupt, but first of all, their their evening shows. You know, then you could say those are really kind of opinion, aggressive opinion that does seem to represent this anti-administration. In this case, the Trump administration kind of view. But the daytime stuff is pretty down the middle. The problem is. 
that the administration is so radical that that's right. Even down the middle seems as though you know it's really right. Trumpy. I'm sure it seems lefty to you. Yeah, you can't treat these guys normally, right? And that's been right. a huge part. Been a huge part of the problem, which we'll get to in, in a second about how to how, how to, de- to deal with these guys. But if you're CNN, right, and you got whatever it is, 50, 60 million Americans, after Trump's out of the picture, it'll seem like fewer because some people will sort of disavow that they were ever part of that. But there'll be a whole Absolutely. new brand of uh, of uh, hateful jerks, and um, uh, <laughs> and not that they all are, um, <laughs> uh, mostly Charlie Kirk um, and. Uh, uh, if, um, but they don't need them. Like CNN doesn't have to. That's the problem. They got to think we don't. We don't need to appeal to this crowd. Like we're not. We don't need seventy-eight million people watching us, right? When I was the host, when I hosted the show Hot Set on Sci-Fi, which lasted six episodes and got canceled after the first season. I mean, we got like seven hundred eighty thousand viewers in our first episode, and then it went down, which was not good. But we were always still around seven hundred thousand, if memory serves me correct. What was right? the premise of that show again? I liked it. I remember it was uh, the premise was good. The execution was was bad. Not not from the producers. It was too hard. Uh, it was uh, sort of based on uh, uh, the makeup show Face Off. Right, right, that was it. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So they had Face Off, which was this movie makeup competition show. So people would come in and they'd have to make a a, a ghoulish horror movie face, right? Or they'd have to make someone up to look like. I think it was mostly special effects, sci-fi, horror <laughs> stuff. But I mean, in a different concept. They might have to make someone up to look like a 17th century queen, right, or whatever, something like that. Um, and it was definitely more ghoulish. But and then our thing was that these people would come in and they would have, I can't remember the time, 48 hours, maybe it was 72 hours to create a movie set. So we'd give them a, a scenario and it was sci fi e, you know, a spaceship lands on the moon and the astronaut gets out, looks around, and at some point comes around a corner and is confronted by an alien. Something like that, right? That's the whole thing. That's the information they're given. That we read it like it's a script, you know. You know, exterior daytime, astronaut emerges from his ship, which has crashed. He gets out. He looks around. He explores rocky terrain, then from a, you know goes around into what appears to be a uh, some sort of structure, and is horrified to find alien. And they're given that scenario, and then they construct that set. With a leader and then a couple people that designers working for them. And in 72 hours or whatever it is, then we come back and they work whatever it is, 12 hours a day, and they get the equipment. They would the problem is is their sets sucked. Right. It just wasn't, they weren't because it's too hard in 72 hours to build. They were immensely talented, and many of them were probably working in the industry and could have, but in 72 hours, you cannot build a set that looks a lot better than a really well done high school play. That's what I thought. Maybe they should have called it a high school play hot set or something like that's that. That's right, yeah. A they needed, a, they had like 15, we gave them like 15 grand too. I mean, they needed a week and 50 grand, you know, yeah, and then well, so, and then maybe they could have done it. And then we shoot it, so it seems like a scene, but it just oh, didn't, see, didn't work. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember Face Off was really good. I enjoyed it. And I thought I liked Hot Set, but that might have just been because it was you. I don't really yeah. remember the show, to be honest. 
Yeah, it was a good. It was. I mean, it was a worthy idea. But but the thing of it is, but like, so we got seven hundred thousand uh, eyeballs, and I think if we got seven hundred thousand eyeballs now, and we did that show like ten years ago, right? I think we might have survived. Oh like yeah, seven hundred thousand is not bad. Now the number you definitely wanted to hit then was a million. Like Hot Set was a huge success, and besides their finale might have a million and a half if it was a big deal. But I think, and I hope my numbers are right, they get one point one. And it was it was Sci-Fi Channel's hottest show. Yeah. So for CNN, if they're in 20 years to have the news, I mean, if they get five million people watching every night, so do they need to cater to people who think the news is fake? No, probably not. They'll get it somewhere else. You know, we're all we're dealing at the margins, and we talk about it like we got to get everybody. Biden needs to. How do you convince these people? Uh, you know, who don't believe in science or don't believe in the truth or think there's a QAnon conspiracy or that there's a deep state. You don't convince them. You, if you can convince 3% of them, and hopefully, and if those 3% are spread out around the, the you know, what is 3% of, of, you know, 60 million, right? I mean, so it's, I don't know. <laughs> 10% would be 6 million. So it's like 2 million, 2.5 million people. If you spread out 2.5 million people, uh, around and presumably that in some places were, and, and it's intensified in the places where the vote was split. I mean, then you probably win those three states that Hillary lost, right? Now you pick up, uh, uh, you know, 120,000 of those people in that state, you've won the election. So, you know, when we talk, the, 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 the political movements in this country are always expressed as giant and they really need to be small uh, to make a, to make a significant difference in a in a competitive election. You wonder where it's going next. That's uh, that's the question. I, I don't know, but the, the, maybe it's a younger version of it. Like you mentioned this show that you were talking about where you had to build the sets. And maybe it was the time. You said it was on 2010. Set, yeah, it was called Hot Set. Hot, hot Set. Oh, see, that was the second problem. But <laughs> but around 2010, you said, right? You said 10 years ago? Like that. I don't even remember so something. It was kind of the beginnings of social media really being like a vehicle where people are getting yeah. everything or building everything. Like I joined Twitter in like 09, and I was like, fine, this stupid site. And just because I kind of had to, I guess. And now I like live on Twitter like an idiot. But and now it's, it's it's this driver of where the people go to things. It's and so another ten years or maybe even right now, say that idea for your show came up, and people did get an opportunity. Maybe they give them more time because with the power of the internet and social media, you don't have to be on this clock. It's not chopped on the Food Network, you know. Or yeah. I said, okay, now you got forty five minutes to make this is our dough. So it, it's at least there's this people can take the time to do it and it'll look better. They can probably present it better. And then everybody can just hold it in their phone and look at it and judge people all they want. So maybe the advent of that quick nature of the technology would help that. You should repitch, Jake. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like JR is reworking your show. He's a, that's right, totally. I got, I'll present it and I got a, I got a showrunner in, uh, yeah. in, in JR. <laughs> so speaking of food shows, uh, we uh, there's a lot of them watched in, in my home by my, uh, my daughter and wife, including uh, Nailed It. On uh, the Netflix channel, right? And uh, do you guys know Nailed It? No. So Nailed It is a—it's pretty good show. It's got a, a, a Nicole Byer is the host. She's enormously talented as a host. As a host, she's very good. And I don't—I don't say that about a lot of hosts, but she's great. And she, uh, 
So then they got a judge who's like uh, the the world's greatest uh, chocolatier, a French guy named Jacques, and they have really nice chemistry. Then they bring in a celebrity judge, but it's really Nicole and Jacques that drive the show. And they bring in three contestants, people who love baking but aren't bakers, right? They're they're accountants and they're teachers and they're they're stay-at-home moms and they're you know construction workers, but they're just people who like to bake, right? And uh, some of them like have a cookie shop. But they don't make cakes. And they bring him in and they tell him to make a cake. This is to JR's point about speed. And the cake will be like, make a cake that has a, that appears to, that has a volcano at the top uh, and is made to look like a homage to a Greek gods with a volcano that bursts and lava comes out and your lava will be a green chocolate, right? <laughs> and they show it to him, right? finished cake and then there's a video for us about how it's done from Jacques you know and like okay I got it none of this means anything to them and then they're like you have 90 minutes (laughs) it's insane right and the idea obviously is that they'll suck that's the point they don't want them to be great they give 10,000 bucks to the winner but the idea is then they they reveal they take back their screen at the end they're like nailed it and you know it's a disaster it looks nothing like the the beautiful cake at the beginning. Yeah, so there's the, you find the they found the joy in the speed, right? In making something happen too quickly to be done well. It's it's such a it's such a degradation of the of the entire profession. Like cooking, baking, a chef, man, that's hard work. I like to cook and I rush it half the time, but when I don't, it's like it's exquisite and it's actually enjoyable. But why is it that we decide to make shows off of cooking and then add that element of now hurry up? Because it's so it's so not the right way to go. Like, what about the mechanics? Should we have a a car show on like Car and Driver Network, whatever the hell is left? The Fuse Network. I don't know what channels there are for cars anymore. But say it's on like some car network and like, okay, mechanics, you have to uh, (laughs) change this transmission on this 67 Ford Falcon. Do it in 35 minutes. Like, no, no. Before he takes it up from zero to 70. (laughs) That's right. 10 seconds. Yeah, we're going to need you. Right, we're gonna need you to drive on the 405 at 2:30 in the afternoon when it's still moving. Yeah. Now that's a right. show that's good, Jr. Forget about the hot right. set crap. That's a show you should pitch. Right, the announcers are watching it from the- a case of beer and an hour. That's right, and, and choppers above. To, oh, I think I don't think those brakes are working. He appears to be careening out of control <laughs> as he gets closer to the one. Oh, there it is off the road, flames. Yep, and the mechanic uh, sitting in the studio watching the scene, like, oh, I'm gonna lose this yeah. round. Right, we're gonna get the fire. get the fire trucks over to see him. <laughs> there's a show called Hell's Kitchen. You know, it's that Gordon oh. Ramsay show. Oh my god! And it's it's a version of one of these shows that we're talking about, where Gordon Ramsay, uh, you know, takes all of these wannabe chefs in there. Some of them are accomplished. Some of them are uh, apprentices. Some of them are sous chefs. Some of them are just really good cooks in their house. You know, they've all sent in audition tapes, presumably, and they're ca- they cast it like anything else. There's a red team and a blue team, and they go through the process, you know, like the boot camp with Gordon Ramsay, and then they have an actual restaurant, and there's a red side and a blue side, and, you know, they're actual patrons. They go in, they've got a host, and they do all this, you know, I mean, not a host for the show. I'm talking about a maitre d' for the restaurant who seats people, and their actual uh, dinners, meals being served. So, uh, and, and, we decided and that to is, go 
We went oh, to you, one. Oh, you went to one? Oh, nice. Yeah. So we went to the restaurant. We were on the red side, for those of you who care. Um, <laughs> but it's not red, blue, like politics, you understand? It's just red, blue, like the teams. And um, so we're sitting there, and I was told you want to go, because my friend's producing it. He said, you want to go like episode eight. You don't want to go early on. Like you don't don't go to the restaurant and sit in either the red or the blue section <laughs> in the third week because people are just awful. You know, stuff's coming out still frozen or whatever. You know, um, but it's kind of an open kitchen, and you can hear this guy Gordon Ramsay just going off on people. It's so weird to sit in a what is truly a restaurant environment, apart from the fact that these guys come through with cameras occasionally and you know, zoom in on your table or whatever. But apart from that, it's like a regular restaurant and you hear him going, F this, you call this, you get, you call those scallops, egg, try eating it, get out there, get out there, get out there now and eat it. You know, it's, it's a super <laughs> intense environment and he's screaming at people. And at the end of the meal, it's like two and a half hours, we go back there to see him. And he is, of course, what? Super charming, lovely. I mean, That's right, totally, yeah, right. Act. You know, yeah, right, and they want him to right. They want him to be an ass, which I guess was his reputation a little bit in the kitchen that he was a demanding boss. But that show really has time to unfold, right? I mean, like people get eliminated or something right. happened, right? As the show uh, uh, progressed, there's we, there's another baking show that that we watch here that gets watched here, which is four teams, two people of real bakers, right? And they're given sort of an idea and then they got to do something with it. And so it'll be like, and we need an inside, an interior taste surprise, you know? And so they'll put peppermint or orange meringue or something inside the, but those cakes at the end, even the people who get eliminated each round are, uh, they're outstanding. And then at the end, they got like four hours to, to make the final cake and there are two of them, you know, which it seems like, a, and so every time the losers, I always think, well, that's a really nice cake that these people made who did not, who did not win. But I didn't know people like cake this much. That's what that's what the, these shows have proven that America loves cake. No, but I want you to think about that though, because my wife's birthday was just beginning this month, and I got her a small cake, and it's between me, her, and the kid. I was like, we never finished cake, so I'm not going to get a big cake. There's no way. That's ridiculous. And I was like, at least we'll finish this one. The cake did not, I mean, we got halfway. I'm not lying to you, it was a foot and a half long by a foot. So it wasn't even like that big at all, if a foot. So cakes are usually round. Just want to point yeah, yeah, but these, these square, these barely got square a rectangular cake. You can get the pancakes, those pan, <laughs> pan, you know, those are really yeah. good. Those long ones, I love those. Those are good, and that's what I was shooting for. But the thing is, is it made me think, as you just said this, Ben, I cannot remember the last time a cake was finished. Who finishes cake? Nobody finishes cake. I don't know. Maybe I maybe it's just, maybe I'm actually in the minority of people who doesn't finish cake. I, I, I why why would you finish a cake? It's supposed to be there for the singing and the candles, and after that you kind of forget it's there. So I there's a lot of juice cake without ice cream. You know, without some kind. I really can't yeah. unless yeah, it's I a la mode. Yeah. I cannot uh, do it. I really cannot. Cake. For chocolate cake, there's just a craving that I have for milk yeah. uh, with it. Um, and like, but in, in LA, there are all these great Jewish delis. Well, I don't know if they're great. Let me phrase that. In LA, there are all these Jewish delis. And uh, <laughs> so you, uh, 
And they all have like pretty good dessert. So you could go in there like Josie, my daughter, of course, she loves chocolate. So you get chocolate cake, but the just the piece of chocolate cake could feed JR's family and my family. <laughs> the one piece. Um, and uh, and I mean, it's just everything in whatever, everything in America. So the thing I wanted to say about cakes, because my, my wife loves coconut cake and for her birthday every year when I remember it. Um, the Sarah Lee. <laughs> The Sarah Lee, which has the best pound cake, speaking of rectangular cake, there's no pound cake better than Sarah Lee's. Not no homemade pound cake that's ever been made. And they have a coconut cake, and you know that's a reasonable size because it comes in a little Sarah Lee package. Oh, the Sarah Lee coconut cake, please, the best, <laughs> the best. And the bakers, they can't match these things. Then the, whatever the you know the boys at Sarah Lee worked on with the. The fellows over at Dow Chemical to make the cakes. I was going to say, that's, that's, that's yeah. what they've got in those cakes that they don't have yeah. on your little uh, yeah. bake this show or whatever it's called. Yeah, I, right. I, I was no I'm industrial strength napalm that preserves the cake <laughs> forever. Yeah, I love that you brought up Sarah Lee because I've been wanting to tell someone this and I never remember because nobody gives a damn about this one small point. I grew up as a TV watching. A ad watching kid. So at six, five, six years old, I memorized every jingle. I knew which commercials were coming. I loved it. Brett Ehrlich is another one because we'll randomly be talking about some on the show and we'll both be stuck on this jingle from 1987. Anyway, Sarah Lee, I was 37 years old when I realized the slogan for Sarah Lee was not. Nobody does it like Sarah Lee. It was not nobody does it like Sarah Lee, right? I thought it was nobody does it like. I saw the side of a panel van that was delivering Sarah Lee Dow chemical cake. Oh, you're about to blow my mind. You're about to blow my mind. You're <laughs> telling me it was nobody doesn't like Sarah Lee. Yes, I was like, no, no way. I, I, said, I think that it was definitely <laughs> nobody does it like Sarah Lee. No, 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 no. I never knew that it was anything but nobody doesn't like. like the, I thought know, everybody, everybody doesn't like something. Nobody doesn't like Sarah Lee. Oh, what, I get it. Kidding? It makes why, sense. Why would you have nobody does it like Sarah Lee? There's nothing about the front of the jingle that says does it like. So why would you put the back of the jingle? Does it like? It's doesn't like and doesn't like. Of course. Well, well I don't know. At least. It's not like Jared and I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> I got. Well, it. apparently you don't. <laughs> but I, it also, you must concede, nobody does it like Sarah Lee. Also makes sense, like, hey man, Absolutely. because the idea was, it's a, you know, it's like it's supposed to be like homemade, like whatever you think. Nobody does it quite like Sarah Lee, you know. So no, I, that's it, what I thought it was. The front of the spot was everybody does it their own way, but nobody does it like Sarah Lee. Then that would make sense, but it's not. The front of the spot is everybody doesn't like something. So nobody, but nobody doesn't like Sarah. Come on, I got it. I got it. I don't think you knew how it, Ben. I don't think you do. That is, that's amazing. I did not. I was tripping. The things you learn and later in life, I'm like, man, I should have known this. You learned it at 37. I learned it. Let's go through some other jingles. What else can I? What else did you remember from 1987? What's going on? Um, Sad, yeah. really. What is it, Jr? Give me another uh, one. Is uh, you're going to tell me now? Bounty is not the quicker picker up. <laughs> <laughs> it's the quick. It's the quick or picker upper. 
Oh, <laughs> it's true. I don't know what else to do because that's the other thing is it kind of steals a little bit of innocence because again, the only reason you may know this is because maybe you search, you open a Google page and then Sarah Lee pops up and their slogan hits there and you're like, oh my dad, oh my God. But in 1987, there is no Google, there's no searching what this slogan is. There's no searching for the rap lyrics of this song that I can't understand that one verse. There's none of that. So when a song even comes on from all these purposes, you just had to kind of figure what the guy said. And whatever he said is in your brain, that's the damn lyric. It's just that's not right. that way. Man. That's certainly true. That's certainly Now, right. if I have a lyric, somebody's going to say, <laughs> you know, that's not what he said. And I have no leg to stand on to go, yes, he does. Shut up. I remember for some reason the song that stands out in my head. And there were a zillion of them, of course, where you've learned. And then also as you get older and you're, I mean, you're hearing changes, maybe, it, and it, I don't think it just gets worse. I think it, it frequently gets more acute, narrower, like you can hear stuff. Maybe it slows down a tiny bit the way musicians as they get older, sometimes slow down, not not slow down like they can't do it anymore. They just, the need to go fast is less, <laughs> like you understand playing more. So it, I think it's uh, it's better in many ways. That's why I like the, you know, uh, the, a lot of bands who are now in their 60s, even into their 70s are better than they were when they were in their 30s, a lot of musicians. Yeah. Um, but I sometimes hear lyrics where I thumped it, where I realize, oh, and this is, I didn't get it. But pre-internet, uh, Tom Petty, refugee. There is a line at the beginning that I've never known, but I kept making it up. And he's talked so fast and it's so mumbly. And I just realized I've never looked it up. I still don't know. No, don't uh, do it. It's gonna ruin. It's no. gonna ruin your your. No, that's right. That's right. I don't. I don't. I don't want to do it. I'll learn it. Uh, anyway, that's a topic for another show. Um, if you want to hear the whole show, uh, this next little bit is for members only, uh, and you can uh, do that. At, uh, you just took it out. Like I literally. Tyt.com/slash/join at the bottom of your screen. If you click here. <laughs> if you click there, you get the full show at tyt.com/slash/join. Now we're gonna ask Mark Thompson to say that and get it really good. Yeah. If you want to join and see the entire show, click here. Tyt/slash/join. TYT.com, Mark. Oh. <laughs> we, need a, we need another take there, Mark. <laughs> TYT.com slash join. Now, uh, a little well, less know, easily. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it didn't go as well as we'd hoped, but. Um, all right, here we go. So, uh, anyway, thanks for watching this thing. the last little segment just for a minute. All right, we're back. Thanks very much. Um, so, the beginning of uh, the show, we did a, a couple of shows ago at the beginning of the show, and you can become a. Uh, they could catch all of all the people who are watching don't need to become members they already are um so uh we were talking about aging out of stuff and like how the young people they certainly don't know uh you know, peter jennings and, and frank reynolds and max robinson the world news tonight host by the way max robinson the first uh, uh black anchor of a network news show and he was one third of the show but he's still um and uh uh, but you mentioned at the beginning that that uh, Travis Scott has a, a meal at McDonald's. You can order the Travis Scott meal, and so it works both ways. Because I I have you know I try to be in vague touch. I cannot keep up with the music because it doesn't it, it it doesn't work with me. It doesn't reach me. It doesn't connect. But I like to know. To you, ben. It doesn't it doesn't sing to me, Mark. Um, and. Uh, but I don't know who Travis Scott is, and I don't think that I don't. I'm not. I don't think it's cool that I don't know who Travis Scott is. I mean, it's telling, right? And whatever, I'm cutting myself a break. But he's big enough to have a 
meal named after him, McDonald's. I don't know this guy. Well, he has yeah. his money came from and comes from a lot of these deals. McDonald's, he's made a couple of deals with Nike, I think. He's made a couple of shoe deals. So, and he's a he's a hip hop artist, I guess, and and he's also, a, as I mentioned, an influencer, Kardashian connected, a baby daddy. So he's got a lot of things. There are a lot of ways not to know him. If I'm, you know, yeah. So I, I'm not uh, I'm not into not knowing him. I don't have to like his uh, oh Travis Scott murder comes right up. Travis Scott murder at McDonald's. Travis like, Scott okay. worth the hype. I mean, by I've, the way, whatever the hype is, the answer is no. <laughs> so it for sucks. those of you who are just joining us, this guy Travis Scott bought the house two doors up from me in my neighborhood. And this I'm about to tell you something that I didn't mention in when we first mentioned it, because my neighborhood burned completely. Like if you go up there, it's just ashes. And then my house, which burned partially, and uh one other house, and then Travis Scott's house. Now Travis Scott's house is twenty thousand square feet. It looks like a it could be JFK, you know, like Terminal Five. You know what I mean? It's it's huge, okay, um, and it's gorgeous. But uh, what he's done is he's moved in and he's got a ton of security people. I mean, they're all over the. This small street is now populated with all of these cars, and you know, he's got stylists, and I mean, he's just got staff coming and going. And of course, the place has two elevators, and so there's plenty of room for all this staff. But here is the conversation that my neighbor told me. Because I went back up and I said, wow, it's really wild. This place is so busy now. She said, yeah, it's really safe now because all these security people are here. And she said, but it was odd. I, you know, you have to understand, again, they're standing there having this conversation all around them. There's uh, homes where there used to be homes. It's just now ashes, okay, uh, from the fire. And this is a fire. This is fire. This is years ago fire, right? This is, this not is one year ago, the right. fire. October 29th will be one year. Um, and uh, she says, uh, hey, listen, this is, I want to give you my number, the cell phone number, just in case you see anything. You know, uh, you know, I think it's good that we're in touch. And you know, that was helpful uh, during the fire. We all got in touch and were able to kind of keep each other up to date on stuff. And he looked back at her with a straight face and said, what fire? Oh, really? And what fire? And you're the head of security, um, and the, and you're seeing houses that still are burned around, right? They haven't all been that's rebuilt. What I'm saying it looks it's devastated. There are no it's there are ashes everywhere, charred homes. It's not like they've all been demoed and cleared to the point you go, oh well, that used to be a burned down house. No, you can see it's a burned down house still a year later. You know, it to me was just comical. Now that's not Travis Scott. That's his head of security. You know what I mean? But it just was. Come on, man. I know, but I, I wouldn't. I couldn't have that person working for. Absolutely him, right. Absolutely. You know, it's just because you're gonna. It's too many. Like, like you're supposed to be. If you're head of security, like you're aware of your surroundings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, know? he might have been looking at. Other Where's stuff, the threat like, coming from? Right. <laughs> but then, like, <laughs> yeah, he might be thinking got, about. He's got a special department that is concerned just with. You know, uh, intruder, and maybe there's another department within security right, that's yeah. concerned with fire. To be fair to him, I don't know. Is that even comfortable? I'll, I'll I mean, I'm a fire guy. I, I don't. I'm not buying that excuse. <laughs> no, I'm. I'm. I'm thinking about the absolute discomfort of living in that house. Like, being everybody thrives, strives, and everything to be rich and famous and buy multi-million-dollar houses, and then. 
have parties whenever you want and 18 Lamborghinis in the garage and a staff of security. That seems extremely uncomfortable to me. I don't want two elevators where then I may run into Fred, who's the head of security coming through and it's like, <laughs> oh, what's up, Fred? Yeah, I'm just here in my boxers trying to watch the game. No, I want to chill in my house and watch the game. And if it's so big that I need a staff to keep it up because it's a museum now, it's not a house anymore. Like you kind of shot yourself in the foot. I got to this level of success where I have a damn burger named after me at McDonald's. <laughs> but I don't get to sit on my ass in my house without looking over my shoulder and wondering, hey, so is that an intruder or is that my guy? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. It's kind of, I have to say, there are two levels of parking. That was the only part where I thought, wow, this is really, you know. Uh, and it's a stunning view, but I, the two levels of parking. I thought to myself, "Wow, you know, like Ben, are you on P one or P 2 You know, uh, yeah, right. I mean, it just seemed odd. It had a, a kind of a mall shopping mall quality to the oh. fact that there were two levels of parking. But apart from that, Jr., there's all this cool stuff. Like he's got like a wine tasting room. I I toured it many times. I was of course walking through it all the time when it was being built. And right. it's got a movie theater and it's got a full gym. It looks like a looks like a Bally's gym down there, you know? And oh. I mean, I think there's enough in that house where you can enjoy yourself that probably you're not gonna be too bothered by the fact that- Yeah, you know, I, I imagine it's like a movie also where like there's, there's probably a security room, right? I don't think you're gonna run into Fred coming up the elevator. <laughs> I imagine that, that there's a, again, there's a place for the sort of security I imagine that he, Wants to come in the kitchen and get himself coffee in the morning. He can probably walk around in his in his boxers and 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 be okay. And then he can also go to the one of three living rooms. I'm just saying. I bet it's not. I bet it's. Uh, it's I, bet I don't it's know. Pretty, By the way, there's a Starbucks the coffee there off the living room if you want to go there. In the morning. <laughs> they got yeah. they got Jennifer working yeah, at the Starbucks right there in the house. Too. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, so like because uh, Mark, I know you're a car guy, and um, I love that about you because. I'm the same way, and this is another aspect. I never understood it. Why am I buying this absolutely fine-tuned automotive piece of machinery and let some other bastard drive my car? Why am I sitting in the back seat of my car while someone else enjoys what's beautiful about my car, which is this engine, this transmission, the way it shifts, the way it sounds, the way it feels when you actually drive the damn thing. I don't want someone else driving my car. I paid $125,000 for this car. I'm fucking driving my car. I never <laughs> understood that. What am I? Okay, <laughs> Jesus, well, like, why are you well, buying okay. things for someone else to enjoy? But I don't like, maybe it's just, okay, it's just me. I don't like sitting in the back of a car that um, I think that part is relegated for your seven year old kid. Let them enjoy that. I'd like to drive it. I'd like to see you in a car seat, JR. Um, I, I think there's, a, there's two. First of all, I, we, I, I think we all like driving, right? And I, I, I do like driving, and I think about the, uh, you know, um, the self driving cars as a sign of the apocalypse. Right, another thing that, that makes me old. Um, but there is something to be said. I know my wife would would like this very much to to being driven around to take the stress of that away. And then you think of all the things that you could get done in the back, including go to sleep, right? Take a nap, chill out. It's just you know having this sort of quiet time, or you're making some phone calls and you're not worrying about stuff like that. I think that there's some. I think there's definitely some appeal. Uh, to that, although I don't, I'm with you. I don't really like riding in the back. In fact, when I've had cars for events that have been 
got that the people have gotten for me, which is so, and such a nice thing. But there are moments when I think I want to sit up front. That's way better. You can see the world come at you. Uh-huh. But there's a risk that I'm going to get into a conversation with a stranger that I, I <laughs> that I am not interested in that. So it's a. Uh, well, it's, it's not a, the conversation that you get into because presumably you have a degree of just general sort of connection with people and maybe yeah, a, right, yeah. curiosity that you want to hear about them. It's not getting in. It's getting out of right. the conversation. That's it's right. when yeah. you feel that that curiosity, the natural curiosity has been sated. Now it's, I got to backpedal my way out of this conversation. And it's, you know, that's when you, you can, because the on switch is easy to find. The off switch is hard to find. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And getting out of the conversation, is, it's a skill. It's a skill. I think I have it, by the way, but it's a, it's a skill. My wife, God bless her, does not have the getting out of the conversation. <laughs> what is a yeah. tip, though? This is a good old school tip. Like, what are some tips to get out of conversations? Um, well, I mean, there's obviously the change in tone, and there's the sort of interruption that's an interruption, but not a a uh, hostile interruption. Like that. No, I hear you. No, no, no. I got, I got it. I got it. We're gonna have to think some more about that. Like, oh, that sent a very clear message that, that yeah, if somebody has doesn't get it, doesn't read social interactions, they think they might think that that's just the end of that topic, right? Yeah, and that's that's yeah. the danger. But if you're like, no, no, I know. I tell you what, I will, uh, I will check that out. Now, if you turn yeah, no. from that and then and then head to, you know, another thing is that I don't understand what the Padres are doing. You know, <laughs> like that. No, they're those people. So you have to you have to you have to you have to take take it up a notch. So the next time after the Padres conversation goes to you for thirty minutes, then you have to go. Oh man, I forgot. Oh, if you're with someone, see, you said your wife isn't good at it. So if you're with someone, you can be the one that's like, oh, we have to get to that thing. Okay, I'm sorry. Hey, I hate to be rude, but I almost forgot. So even saying I almost forgot, I have to go somewhere. Oh, oh, you're in a car. It's different. I understand. But I'm thinking general conversation. I pulled that a couple times. Like, oh. I'm sorry. Don't mean to be rude. We're already late for something. I totally forgot to oh, let you think. But your, well, your conversation was easy so interesting. I, I, I would that's a lie. To get out that's, you're lying. I'm looking for the that's front that's of the car. Absolutely, bail I'm out. lying. Uh, yo, let's bail. I don't care if I lie. Like, I I'm not under oath. Sometimes you have to lie, but I want to create an organic moment that ends it. For with with uh, with with my wife, there's a number of times that we've been leaving places, and I it just I put my hand on the small of her back and apply just a little bit of pressure. Like, <laughs> no, really, like we gotta we gotta come as a different gear. You gotta find so we can get we can get out of here. My dad, um, uh, you know, I look, I miss him every day. But there was when I'd leave his apartment uh, in D.C., the elevator was right there. I was like. 15 feet away, big hallway, but like 15 feet away elevator. So you'd go out and you'd hit the button for the elevator on the fifth floor. And the elevator wouldn't be there, of course. And there's like some amount of time. And God forbid there's only one elevator. God forbid somebody was on their way, you know, down six and somebody else gets picked up at three and then back to the bottom is going to come back up. He, you'd say goodbye in the kitchen. All right, I love you. See you later, right? And then dad and his wife, Patricia, they would come out in the hallway. And wait, they'd wait by your door. They're right over there, and you're waiting for the elevator. But you already said goodbye, and those were some of the worst 28 second little <laughs> bits of my life. Repeated again and again and again because you're like, he's like, mm. you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. So 
I'll, I'll call you. I'll call you tomorrow because we, we basically, we talk every day. So <laughs> come on, where is it? I always wanted to say that when he, when he broke his hip and had to stay seated. Oh my God. It was like the greatest four months before he, <laughs> before he recovered enough to come out to the hall for that really painful 13 to 45 seconds. Yeah, dad, you know the good part about you breaking her hip? Uh, <laughs> right, totally. And then, of course, then the problem is that then you start a conversation and then the elevator comes. Oh, and then you got to wrap up that conversation with your hand up on. Uh -huh. No, no. Well, I got it. I got it. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Let it close. Let it close. Let it close. <laughs> oh, my God. Good stuff. Um, all right, guys. Well, I had all these uh, topics that we didn't, uh, we didn't need them. It was a lovely no. organic conversation. <clears throat> uh, Those are nice to ones. see you, Jr. I haven't uh, seen your face in a while, and I guess I'm going to see it again tomorrow, right? Is that uh, yeah? Is that true? We're on. Yeah. Oh, and Mark is making sure he's hitting all the merch. I've got <laughs> totally. the mask. It's a yep. little tight, though. I lost it once. I need to. I need to have these taken out a little bit. You know? Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> the, uh, uh, by Find the way, of course, the uh, old school sponsored by a shop uh, shot top. .pyt.com or just shoppyt.com. <laughs> oh my God, Ben, this is just disgusting that you don't know any of these uh, tie-ins. Uh, I mean, shop like, you know, shop I can be forgiven, but you're like a founding member. Yeah, well, the um, uh, so <laughs> real quick, real quick. So I, this, I will say the coffee story because Jack and I have talked about coffee every time. So there's a, a, a Asher. What are the two kinds of coffee? There's the breakfast blend, which is like what? There's uprising and rebel roast. And which one is which? Which is the breakfast blend? Uprising. Uprising. <laughs> so, so I had I, I finished the uprising and then learned that I had been drinking Rebel Roast. Oh, and oh. not uprising. So I had the the darker blend first, and now I've gone to the breakfast blend, and I must say I, I prefer the uh, I prefer the darker blend, uh, which I guess is uh, uprising. So, uh, but I'm gonna have to uh, I'm gonna have to sign up. You signed up, right, Mark? That's right. I like the darker blend too. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. You and I share that. Yeah. All right, uh, Jr. Great to see you, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Mark, yeah, you send, um, send an email. I got something out, you guys. Yeah, I got to see the house. You yeah, we should. I, I'm capable of watching a football on Sunday uh, outside, so uh, I can set that up. But we should. Uh, uh, that's we should cool do that one day. Yeah. All right, boys. All right. Thanks very much, Asher. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Thanks for watching. <laughs>